Jesus in this passage is about to say, I am the good shepherd. And there's a very easy understanding of that, which I think we probably all have. You remember a couple of summers ago, our kids memorized, maybe three summers ago, four? I don't know. Ah, COVID is that blank, right? Um, it's the blip in the real world. So prior to COVID, um, our kids memorized Psalm 23, I think for a summer, and we had sheep day at the church. Do you guys remember sheep day? One of the local farmers brought in a sheep. We brought it up, everybody petted it, and they brought it downstairs. And it was kind of the culminating event for our time memorizing Psalm 23. But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? We, we understand. We, we want to be comforted. We want to be gathered in. We need someone who knows where he's going because we don't often know where we're going or we're going to end up. And so this concept of shepherd, I think, is a simple one to grasp. That's the point of it. It's a metaphor. It's, it's simple. But... What I want us to do is go past that, deeper than that, through that this morning, and recognize that the concept of shepherding is also a tremendous challenge to us. It's great comfort to us, and it is a great, great challenge for us. Because, sneak peek to the whole point of the sermon, we're all called to be shepherds. We're not just called to have a shepherd. We're going to see that God the Father is referred to as the shepherd of his people. Jesus calls himself the shepherd of his people. The Holy Spirit is there to guide and counsel, shepherd his people. In the New Testament church, the apostles, some are given to be pastors, shepherds of people. Every parent is a shepherd. Every adult in a church with young kids running around our feet is a shepherd. It's a role model. Someone that's looked up to, an adult figure providing direction. And it's easy for us to say, no, I, I, I don't feel like I'm a pastor. I, I don't know that God's gifted me that way. You don't really have a choice. We have to be. When someone who doesn't know anything about faith says, what do you believe? You're trying to shepherd them and usher them into green pastures. You have to have a word to respond, even if it's not your quote-unquote gifting. And Jesus is the greatest shepherd, but he then says, I want you to imitate me and bring in this lost sheep. There are other sheep that are not even in this fold, he says. Other sheep, we're going to bring them in too. And so every, for every lost and lonely person, for every wayward person, for every backslidden person, for every hurting person who's just a sheep wandering, we need to be there with comfort. But for all of us who have been comforted by God, we need to step into the role, the Bible calls it, under shepherds. We're under Christ. He's still shepherding us. But we're called to shepherd others too. We're not just called to be saved and then hope that Jesus will save other people. We're called to participate with him. So there's a comfort and there's a challenge in this concept of shepherd, and that's what I would like us to look at scriptures that will, will help us see. But we're just going to read John chapter 10. We've been reading longer passages together because I really want to hear scripture speak for itself. So let's go ahead and read that. Um, and the ESV translation, but whatever translation you have to follow along with is fine. John 10, 1. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but he climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. Now the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. 
When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So we have to stop here because Jesus is about to switch the metaphor. So make sure we've got this one down. There's a bunch of sheep in a pen. And the one who's there to take them and steal them climbs in some other way and drags them out. But the shepherd goes in right through the front door and stands in the midst and he calls. And all the sheep who know him follow him. And then he leads them out to green pasture. This is Jesus, the Messiah coming from heaven to earth, entering into the sheep pen with all of us and calling out. And some people, even if they hear the name of Jesus, even if they hear of his love, even if they hear of his sacrifice, even if they hear of his lifestyle and his miracles and everything, the voice just does not resonate. Like, I do not want that. This happens to people all the time. But hopefully for all of us here, we hear that voice and it tugs at this inner longing. Like, I want to follow that voice. And that voice calls us out by name. Jesus who knows us inside and out and says, I know your specific situation. I know where you're at. Come with me. I'm not taking you to slaughter. (laughs) I'm taking you to green pasture. There's something more for you. And it's not here in the pen. If you stay here, I'm about to go out. You just remain where you are, but I'm here to set you free. I'm here to lead you out, bring you to green pastures, and you can trust me. So this is Jesus describing his role entering into lives. And when you hear that call, when you hear a scripture read, it just speaks to you. And when you have a prayer time, you feel like, Jesus is saying this to me. These are words for me today. That's Jesus acting as a shepherd. He's shepherding you into a place that he wants you to go, a new thing he wants you to think, a new job he has for you to accomplish, a new person he has for you to love. So that's our role is to follow him. But he said, the Bible here, John says that they didn't really understand all of this. So Jesus switches the metaphor now and talks about entering through him. So let's pick up in verse 7. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me... He will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. So the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Now the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is just a hired hand and not a shepherd who doesn't own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own they know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock one shepherd. And for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. We'll stop right there. So in this instance, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? He's the door and people enter through him into life. Now he said, all those who came before me were thieves, were robbers. He's referring specifically to all the failed messianic figures that the people he was talking to had experienced over a couple hundred years leading up to Jesus. I don't know if you've heard of this or read of this. I know we've talked about it in sermons a couple of times in the past, but leading up to Jesus, 
Jesus. There were specific figures who knew all the prophecies of the Old Testament, that at a certain time the Messiah would come and set the people free from whatever oppression they were experiencing. And so some people got caught up in that, like, that's me, that's me. And it wasn't them. They were caught in their own ideas, but they would gather people around them. They'd be very convincing, effectively kind of like a cult leader, right? Follow me, I'm the Messiah. And whether they were deluded or whether they were manipulating, same result, not from God. There was one instance where this man said, if we just wall ourselves up in this city, I'm the Messiah. God and his angels will take us up into glory from in the city. And they walled themselves up. And the Romans surrounded the city and burned it to the ground. Every person died inside. A failed Messiah. So all the disciples that are hearing Jesus say, I'm the Messiah, they also just remember recent history. What if he's like that guy? There was another one, actually a shepherd of sorts, that stirred up kind of a rebellion and called himself Messiah and said, we're going to go down to the Red Sea. Where's the Jordan River? I think it might be the Jordan River. We're going down to the Jordan River, and God's going to part the waters like he did for Moses, <clears throat> and we're going to escape Roman occupation, and we're going to go out into the wilderness and establish the godly civilization that God is calling us to. But he was not from God. So they got down to the Red Sea. Rome heard that there was this rebellion. They sent all their troops, and there was just a massacre right on the shores of the Jordan River, and they all were killed. This happened at least three or four times Probably more that are even recorded, but I know of four different instances where people claim to be Messiah and weren't. And Jesus is saying, I'm a good shepherd. I'm here for your good. I'm actually going to lay down my life for you. I'm not going to make you lay down your life for nothing. All those who came before me, they were the thieves or robbers. And we're going to see a little bit more. I'll read a couple of scriptures just to, to show what this false shepherd is about. There's a lot of ways that people can be false shepherds. It can be for their own gain. It can be to manipulate. It can be out of pride. It can be all sorts of reasons that someone takes that posture when they're not sent by God. But Jesus is not that. He's actually here for your good and for my good. He's a good shepherd. And when you hear his voice, hopefully it tugs at your heart and you lead him on. So these are the two metaphors he uses. And now the rest of the chapter is talking about Jesus' relationship with God. The fact that he is the Messiah. We'll pick up in verse 18 again. So no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Have you ever noticed how many times people try to kill Jesus and they can't? And then at the end on the cross, what does it say? He gave up his spirit. So when he was crucified, they were not taking his life from him because he could have come down from the cross at any moment. He gave his life, willing sacrifice. He didn't like lose in the end. They didn't get him. He said, here I am. I've been preaching the courts every day. You didn't take me then. You're going to take me now? Okay, great. And he gave up his spirit. So Jesus' shepherding model is I lay down my life for the sheep. Any sort of authority figure, any sort of pastor, any sort of parent, if you're in it for your own benefit, you are not a good shepherd. You are not. You are a thief and a robber. But if you are in that position of authority and leadership and you lay down your life for the sheep, you are Christ-like. You are following his example. That's what it looked like for him. He wasn't in charge of the sheep. He was protecting and blessing the sheep. So this is leadership language. This is authority language. This is sacrifice language. All right. Lay it down on my own accord. This charge I have received my father. Verse 19. So there was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he's a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. And can a demon open the eyes of the blind? 
So at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is eternal security. Once saved, always saved. When Jesus has got you, nothing can take you away from him. This is a security. Verses like this we need when we're doubting our own faith, when we're feeling weak, when we're caught in sin, when we feel guilty. No one can take you out of Jesus' hand. We hear his voice and it calls us. And no matter what brambles we're caught in, we know we are his sheep and he is going to keep us moving forward. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And I and the father are one. So the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them. I love this. They're picking up stones. They're in the act of it. And he's just having a conversation. They're picking up stones to throw. And he's like, so let me explain it to you this way. They're picking up the stones to throw. And he just responds with teaching. And I got to respond with running. But he responds with teaching. I love it. Verse 32. Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Jesus, and the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, you know, the, the people of God, and a scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God? He's just quoting their scripture to them and saying, we're like God, but I am God. Verse 37, if I am not doing the works of my Father then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. It's just not his time, so good luck. I don't know how he does that, but he just slips away. Verse 40, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. So I don't want you to turn for these next scriptures, but can I read you a few more to paint the picture that we're painting here? In Mark 6, it says, Jesus went ashore, went ashore and saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Do you remember when Matthew says that exact same scenario? I'll read you from Matthew 9. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus sees people and he says, I want to help them through the power of the Father. So here are works. Here are miracles. Here are teachings. Here is salvation. Here is the Holy Spirit. I give you it all. But he also turns to his disciples and say, pray that God sends more people out there. Not just Jesus. Jesus plus all of Jesus' followers out into these fields because they're harassed and helpless. And that's an indication of a bad shepherd. No sheep is going to feel harassed when they have a good shepherd. Happens this way within our parenting as well. We see in our kids' signs like this. Our child is becoming more 
um, nervous or anxious. What can I do as a good shepherd to help with anxiety? Because everything in the world is going to make our kids more and more anxious and stressed all the time. And I think that's increasing exponentially. So what does it look like to shepherd in those situations? Well, that's our task. That's our mission. That's our goal. Right? He wants to send out people into the harvest because people need a shepherd. Remember the, the Psalm 23 we talked about, the Lord is my shepherd. You recognize that's Old Testament, right? So that's before Jesus came, before he was incarnate. So as David's writing that, he's talking about God the Father, right? The Lord, Lord God, Yahweh, Elohim, Old Testament God. God is my shepherd. And then Jesus comes and said, I am the good shepherd. Uh, in Ezekiel 34, 15, uh, God says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. The Holy Spirit, remember I had mentioned to you about the, the counseling and guiding power of the Spirit. John 14, uh, Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth that my Father will send in my name. I'd like to read you two opposites to help paint the picture of what a shepherd is supposed to be. These are both from the Old Testament. They're these places where the prophets condemn all the religious leaders and, and shepherds and teachers of their day. Because for them, shepherding was manipulative. For them, shepherding was self-centered. Listen to the criticism of that, and hopefully it can help us see what shepherding is supposed to be. So in Isaiah 56... Start with verse 8. It says, The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will, yet, I will gather yet others to him besides those that are already gathered. Because his watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are silent dogs. They cannot bark. Dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. The dogs have a mighty appetite, but never have enough. They are shepherds that have no understanding. They've all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Come, they say, let me get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure. Shepherds of that day, lazy. Shepherds of that day, indulgent. Shepherds of that day, you know, all bark, no bite. They talk but they don't do. They've turned to their own way, their own gain. Aren't these exactly the sorts of leaders that we just like cringe at when we hear about another church leader, another country leader, another government leader, another someone who has just been amassing wealth for themselves, making everyone else kind of pay homage at their feet to make their lives easier at the expense of the people they're supposed to be shepherding. So the leaders in the Jewish community had it all wrong. And so Jesus, I should say, God the Father, condemns through the prophet Isaiah all that behavior. Okay, parents, shepherds, are we indulging ourselves at the expense of our children? He said, hey, go get me something, right? What are our children there for? What are we there for in their lives? Are we amassing wealth? Are we lazy? Do we slumber? Are we there for our own gain or for theirs? What sort of shepherd will we be? Okay, Christians, as you bump into non-believers in the world around you, what sort of shepherd will you be? Will you be the, let's get people into my church kind of shepherds for our own gain? 
talk about like church numbers. And I met a pastor for the first time this past week, and we were talking about churches. And he said, like, I don't like to talk about like numbers and, and money and budgets and stuff like that. And I loved him for that. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about that stuff either. Let's talk about people. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about ministry. Um, but too often we don't feel that way. Too often we look at another church with like a, a big fancy uh, building or program or something like, oh, that church is doing really well. Or we look at ourselves we're like, oh, if we could only have like five more families, we're talking about growth. And I just want to be shepherded in the place where Jesus wants us to be because that's going to be the green pasture. And where do we want to be? And I think the answer is wherever Jesus is. And these shepherds did not do that. When we tell someone about faith, what are we doing? We're introducing them to a shepherd. And we're trying to shepherd them in the right direction. Ezekiel 34 says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. And so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for the wild beasts. And that's where he says, therefore, I will become the shepherd to my people. Tell me how many of you have this on a plaque in your house or a coffee mug. Jeremiah 3.15. I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Anybody? I'm going downstairs in the office. Heard this one? This is like Jeremiah, is it 42.11? Is that right? What is it? 29.11? Yeah. It's like such a famous quote that it makes it onto every Christian place. It's a great one. I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. But that only makes sense if we know where the shepherds had been in that moment. If we know how they had been treating the people of God. They did not have that. And so they were harassed and helpless. Like, take a look around. Harassed and helpless is a pretty accurate way to describe the world right now. Everybody's pushed in a million directions. No one's actually out for anyone else's good. We're in defensive mode, protect what we have. Every time we get marketed at, we know they don't really care if we have you know, cleaner skin. They want our dollar bills. They're not in it for our benefit, even if the thing they're selling might be of benefit for us. So we get jaded and we think that people just have agendas and motives. Like, what company out there is trying to shepherd people versus benefit from people? It's such a rare thing. Like, I don't think we see good examples of shepherding. But God is calling us to be shepherds. What if we were all shepherds after God's own heart? What if when you bump into someone over at L Street, you know, you were a shepherd after God's heart in that moment, just recognizing what they need. It could be anything. You don't know until you talk to them, but they start talking and you see the need. And you've been there, and I know I've been there in those conversations. 
What a beautiful thing to be led by God to lead someone else. Where is under shepherds? And that's where we um, that's where we come into First uh, Peter five. And this is the last scripture I want to read for you. It's a challenge to the the leaders of that day. As a challenge to Christians. First Peter five one, Peter writes, "I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder." And as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory." When the chief shepherd appears, we're under shepherds. We need to see ourselves as shepherds. So these things need to be our qualifications. We need to have oversight, but not under compulsion. Oh, I know I'm supposed to do this thing. Oh, I should have said that. Like, not compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Like, I could even see that our, our being led into Taunton could go either one of those two paths, Right? Could trying to be more involved in a community lead to shameful gain as well as leading down another path for eagerly being glorifying to God? feels like it's just a place. You could use it however. So which path do we want to choose? We want it to be a place where God can be glorified. That's what a good shepherd does. And if we'll shepherd well, we're going to look like Christ in that way. Not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock. When you talk to people, do you tell them what to do? Or do you hear in conversations like, oh yeah, I know that's something that I really need to work on as well. Have we arrived or are we all following Christ together? The example of the shepherd is one who lays down his life for his sheep. And in all the places where we don't, we need to come to a place of confession and repentance. This is Peter with Jesus cooking the fish. Did you know this moment? Remember? He denied Christ. He stepped away from where he needed to be. And what are the things that Jesus says to him at the end? Feed my sheep. Care for my sheep. Feed my sheep. And then Peter goes and writes this letter that we just wrote, that we just read. Right? Jesus said, it's all about these sheep. That's why I'm here. I'm not here for my own gain. It's for them. It's God's love for them. It's salvation for them. It's forgiveness for them. So anytime we're making it about us, we're getting off track. And Peter got off track in a pretty big way. But Jesus was there with the fish on the seashore and the little campfire, a little breakfast. And he said, feed my sheep. And so I challenge us to take on that responsibility not professional shepherds, Christians, people who are like Christ, setting example and leading people closer to the Father. So if the music team can come forward, we're going to close in a song, but I'd like to lead us in a time of just quiet and confession and repentance. As I feel like many times we do become about ourselves um, and we get into those places, we need to stop reorient, confess, and move forward. So please pray with me for a moment here. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your example. 
Thank you for knowing everything and yet somehow translating it simply for us to be able to grasp. We hear you calling, Jesus. We hear it. We hear your voice. It's sweet to our ears. Please call me by name. Call each of us by name. And may your word and your name be on our lips so that the people around us can hear your sweet, sweet voice as well and come running, come running to you. Jesus, please forgive us for the times we've been the wayward sheep. Come after us today. Please help us to have eyes to see wayward sheep around us, lost sheep, harassed, helpless sheep, and give us your compassion and wisdom to know how to shepherd them closer to you and, and into the Father's family. So please forgive us for all those moments we do recommit ourselves to you and caring for the sheep that are in this flock and the ones that you will add to your flock, your eternal family. And we thank you for calling us to be a part of this great, great mission. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.